0: for my failure to get it up on my weekly I try to get this posted by Thursday ish and I think it was Saturday morning I <laughs> got posted last week life got in the way we had goings on uh, in the pace of household last week and um I was told and told that tisk tisk, tim you need to you need to do better so I'm going, to, I'm going to strive to do that today. So we might do a recording and a posting all in one day today. We'll see.
1: It may be that God is revealing to the impatient ones that they need to help.
0: <laughs> well, we'll keep people anonymous. I won't chew. I won't, no, 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 I, I no.
1: Yeah, I don't know who we're talking about. but
0: I think it was mostly in jest. Of too, course,
1: but. of course.
0: Nevertheless, we'll, I'm I'm thankful that we were able to rearrange schedules to, to meet this week. And,
1: and I'll keep praying for God to raise up a podcast staff. It would be cool to get a video camera in here.
0: I don't know if people want to look at us, Phil. I'll just be honest. <laughs> it's for Rocky. They want no, to see Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. We just need a dog camp. So maybe like ground level. Okay. You know, they the can dog. see our feet dog think, cam is that a, yeah. is that a thing i don't know okay i don't know but you can that's... put anything
1: in front of cam and it's a thing <laughs> coffee yeah, that, cam
0: that's true that's true
1: i need to get a grass cam mm. as i'm watching my grass grow
0: i feel like that would be a distraction for you phil
1: well no it's like youtube you know people turn on these peaceful tranquil channels of the waves or maybe you know the fish moving in the sea and then they could tune into phil's uh grass cam
0: yeah but i think maybe if you didn't have access to it (laughs) just for everyone else's sake because if you had access i I could see oh that's a i got that's a high spot Uh, i gotta go do something about that
1: (laughs) there's there's a little there's a green shoot i see it
0: (laughs) yeah that might turn into a problem um something to consider So, something to consider. But we have something else, more importantly, to consider today. We have a sermon that you preached this past Sunday, the second in our series, new series on the patriarchs. Um, It is, it has been posted. It is available on our website as well as our Mercy Hill Sermon podcast. So, if you are listening to us this morning and you have not heard that sermon from. October eighth, I would encourage you to please hit the pause button and and go listen to Phil's sermon on Abraham's blessing, and then come back and, and rejoin the conversation with us. It was a it was a really good sermon, Phil. Um, I enjoyed it almost as much as the first one, um, and that's not a slight at all. I just I thought it was really good, um, and hard in a lot of ways. And actually, you were you were a little hard on on us was I, I I took note um in my my re-listen my second listening that uh at the onset you 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 told us that we're not prepared to mm. hear um and I think you're right. I don't think it was an unfair thing for to say at all, but it was definitely um stern, not mean, but stern mm-hmm. words coming from our pastor from the pulpit. So I don't know, do you, do you recall that?
1: I I do. So stern words have to be used carefully, but uh, I, I do I, I need the help of the church to preach, and good congregations make good preachers. I've said this before, maybe even on this podcast, and good preachers make good congregations. It's a chicken-and-the-egg thing. It's more of a a mutually reinforcing. And if the church comes hungry, thoughtfully prepared, you know, as a whole, obviously you're always going to have people coming in who've never set foot in a church building before, far from God, far from faith. But the congregation of the whole, particularly our in-covenant membership, needs to be reminded of how important it is that they come ready to hear from the Lord. Mm. and But it wasn't really meant to be stern. I think it came out sterner than I meant it. Mm. I think I meant it to be um, together. The church, the hearing church, and the preaching pastor are hitting Abraham and we just aren't ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We just haven't. It's, it's, in some ways, Abraham is the theme of the entire Bible. And I just don't think I appreciate that, have really understood that. And, um, indirectly, if this is something where I'm having to go back to first grade or kindergarten or preschool, then we all need to take note that um, we could get a lot farther in in benefiting from what scripture has to teach us about Abraham's blessings if we were better prepared at this point in our spiritual lives. Hmm. So let's not go in uh, unaware, yeah. but let's go in as humble supplicants of the divine mercy. I think that's what I meant.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think you said that, Phil. I, I really do. And I didn't Mean to put you on the spot no that's
1: okay it's it's good it's good to think through that and and you know is there a place for a, an opening challenge or at least a strong it was at least a strong reminder um and, and in a way n- not kind of a, a i try to avoid glib opening illustrations they usually have a purpose you know there's a method to my madness but it's kind of the opposite of a glib opening joke or or, or something it's like wait a minute you know take off your shoes the place we're standing is holy ground Mm -hmm. so maybe that's a, a helpful way to begin a sermon from time to time yeah that's certainly how i felt this sunday
0: Yeah, it was good. It was a, yeah, it was a little bit of a, I hate to say wake-up call, because that makes it sound much more severe, but Mm -hmm. in in a gentle way, Mm -hmm. a wake-up call, at least for that particular moment, Mm -hmm. let's not just roll into this as though, well, we've, we, we know Abraham, and we've sung songs about Abraham, and so we're good to go, you know? Yep. Um. It was almost like time to buckle, time to buckle up here. You know? Yeah. So it was good. It was good. But I wanted to bring it up. We, we'll count that our homiletics. Okay. Uh, piece of the podcast. We yeah. Always like to start there. Um, maybe before we dive into, we got a couple things I think we definitely want to hit from the sermon itself. But last week you preached on Abraham's faith. hmm And so I'm wondering if we could just spend a couple minutes and maybe make a connection or what is the connection between Abraham's faith faith, and then the blessings. And the blessings are, it, it is his blessing, but it's your sermon wasn't like, look at all the things that Abraham got. Like that's not Abraham's blessings. Although there is some physical, like mm-hmm. tangible blessing that frankly didn't even come out in the passage. Right. But it was more, um, maybe more appropriately, what Abraham's blessings were not, in a way. But anyway, b- before we get into the details of that, what would be the connection? Would you say, mm-hmm. like, did Abraham's faith bring about the blessing? Um, can you have the blessing without the without the faith? Right. You know, those kinds of just right. Uh, I don't want to get too far down a rabbit hole. Sure. Just to connect the two sermons. Sure.
1: Well, starting from a slightly different angle, as I look back on this survey of what is biblically important about the patriarch Abraham, he's the father of the faithful, Romans 4, father of all who believe. Mm -hmm. And... Um, First Peter chapter three says that we doesn't quote Abraham's name, but we were we are blessed that we might be a blessing. So that's a, re, a clear reference to Genesis 12. Uh, blessed to be a blessing is a is a is a common phrase, mm-hmm. and it's a biblical phrase. First Peter three eight to ten or so. So, Abraham's blessings and Abraham's faith are the two most important things about this patriarch that have to be hit and I think they get hit in this sequence. I think him being the father of all who believe is the most important thing that we hear about Abraham because it's his faith that brings him into a vital fellowship or friendship with God and um It's through that relationship with God that God Himself brings about the blessings of Abraham. Right. So that's why I hit it in that sequence. But there, there would be no blessing of Abraham if he hadn't believed God's promises. So I think you're right. There's, there's a definite connection there. That um, throughout we see um uh, God's blessings coming about by via the instrumentality of Abraham's faith. But we also see an interesting feature in the Abraham story that God's blessings come about in spite of Abraham's unbelief. Right. So when he leaves Canaan during the famine in Genesis 12, 10 and goes to Egypt, he's essentially saying God's promise is is not sufficient. He promised me a land, not in so many words, flowing with milk and honey, and this place is all dried up. So I'm going to go to where the getting is good. Um, potentially, as one commentator put it, jeopardizing not only the, I think this was Duguid, s- said that Abraham's, Self-designed sojourn in Egypt in Genesis twelve jeopardized not only the land promise but the offspring promise, mm-hmm. because it exposed Sarah to the wiles of the king of Egypt right. and his um, interest in adding to his harem. So, so, but what what happens there? Will God sovereignly restricts uh, Pharaoh's? sexual appetites if i can put it that way yeah. uh protects sarah's uh and abraham's marriage protects sarah's you know matrimonial chastity and restores abraham to the land so even when abraham is unfaithful hagar being another instance
0: yeah
1: uh, and that's more an instance perhaps of at least initially of sarah's unfaithfulness Even when Abraham and Sarah are unfaithful, God's blessing continues. So there's there's a sovereign quality to the blessings of God, which makes it somewhat ironic when we say the blessings are contingent upon his faith, because they are, but you can't read that story and not be just amazed at how God's overwhelming generosity to Abraham is in spite of his unbelief.
0: Yes, which is true of us, too. Um, it's true of, every, of of every picture of God's covenanting with His people in the Bible. It's no, no one ever holds up holds up their end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, Abraham in particular, because he is called out as the Father, as, as as the guy whom God has blessed the whole world, and yet he was not perfect. You know, and you you kind of hit on this last week in your sermon where it wasn't like a Noah situation where the Bible takes great pains to point out that Noah was righteous. Abraham, for all we know, didn't, even worship Yahweh God before God called him
1: that's my assumption
0: so you know who, who is this you know who is this guy uh, now, so, some of the
1: commentators will say because Terah is from the line of Shem that perhaps there was some residual memory of Noah's righteous faith in the family genealogy so mm-hmm. think about your grandfather or your great grandfather. I don't know if you come from a Christian background, Tim, but or if you're you know what the quality of your parents' faith is. But let's let's say that your your parents aren't Christians, hypothetically. Let's say your great grandfather was a Baptist pastor. And the stories and at Thanksgiving and at Christmas or even at Easter maybe, or, you know, great grandpa Pasek was uh, a circuit rider a, a Methodist circuit rider or something right. I don't know
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and as a as a boy you heard about you maybe never even met him but you heard about him and that awakened some curiosity in your heart right. so yeah. while you were attending again this is my hypothetical the moon god ceremonies that your parents are this is abraham's life right uh the, in the back of your mind you're thinking something doesn't seem right here because great grandpa was a Methodist or a Baptist preacher, or a revival preacher or something. Right. So these are fun things to, I think they're fun to speculate on, you know, to what degree was Abraham just a rank unbeliever, or was there some curiosity that God had already awakened prior to the call? But I, I do want to take a minute to do, because this is at the deeper cut, just a theological observation about, the Calvinistic system of, of belief the so called five points of Calvinism we see all five operating in this story so Tim just to put you on the spot <laughs> do you remember the, the, the five points of Calvinism <coughs> they spell a, a certain flower
0: yes tulip Yes.
1: so what does the T stand for
0: total depravity
1: good so we see that in, in Abraham and in that he wasn't looking for God God sought him out Uh, Abraham wasn't born a seeker, he was born a sinner.
0: Yeah, and and apart from God, there's nothing you can do to be saved.
1: That's definitely what the the system teaches, but there's nothing in the text that gives us any indication that Abraham would have been seeking for God. I mean, there's this hypothetical speculation that the faith of Shem had somehow trickled down four or five generations and... But even there, um, yeah, Abraham was a sinner, mm-hmm. not a seeker. Mm-hmm. What is the, What does the U stand for? This is usually the one that, that I struggle to remember.
0: It's a unconditional election. election.
1: Correct. Yeah. So since Abraham isn't a seeker but a sinner, any movement that he makes towards God in response to God's summons has to be by God's operation. It's not that God sees something in Abraham that becomes the basis of his call. It's that God's grace and sovereign choice, unconditional means that all the conditions are found within the being and mind of God. Right. I don't think it means that God doesn't work with Abraham's will or activate it in some way. Or that Abraham is wholly passive. Or even that some of Abraham's uh, unsanctified virtues can't be repurposed for the glory of God. So all those things I think are true. But the ultimate condition of a- is not that Abraham's a good person, but that God is a good and generous God. Yeah, and
0: not that Abraham earned faith.
1: That specifically, so whatever Abraham is doing, or why ever God chose Abraham, it isn't a meritorious choice. Right.
0: Yeah, I think of the hymn, and I think I've quoted this on a podcast episode at some point, but... (coughs) My Lord, I did not choose you, for that could never be. My heart would still refuse you if you had not chosen me. Right. So, that acknowledges that we have a choice... But that choice is a reciprocal of God choosing us. Right. It's, a, it's not a, a that,
1: response. Right. right. So, so when Abraham stands before the throne of God, he's not celebrating his good choice or all of the virtues that led God to right. see him as a good candidate for this global multinational, you know, pan-national promise, all the nations will be blessed in you. Abraham celebrating the unconditional election of God. Mm-hmm. What about the L?
0: Limited atonement.
1: So not hard to see actually in this story, although it is one of the controversial points that some of our Christian brothers dispute. But... um God didn't choose Haran, and he didn't choose Terah, mm-hmm. and he didn't choose Nahor. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he didn't even choose Lot. He chose Abraham. Yeah. Now, what did he do with those other persons? The story is strangely silent. We we'd like to believe, and I actually mentioned in my first sermon on this, that Terah... Was captured in some way, perhaps by Abraham's faith. That's not the view of all the commentators. Some of the commentators think that um, Tara was. This was a time of upheaval in in Mesopotamian society, and 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 migrations were common. And so, Tara was headed somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that was what was happening, based on the textual evidence. Going back to Acts chapter seven, verse two and three, as as Stephen recounts, he was called when he was in Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham was called. right? So I'm forced to infer that Terah was following Abraham's call. And this is Calvin's view too. So there was a, Terah was being honored as Abraham was following his father. So there's a fifth commandment in, in, in view there. But then Terah was honoring God. By listening to God speaking through his son. So there's a, a beautiful picture there. Mm. But ultimately, God chose Abraham and not anyone else, at least in that small family circle. So the atonement there was, was limited. Yeah. Um, I?
0: Irresistible grace. I
1: Could Abraham have said no?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, Tim.
1: What are you thinking?
0: Um in a way in a in a way, yes, cuz Abraham has has free will. I mean, he he could he could say no, but I think this is one of those at least in my mind, where it's a little bit of a mystery, where you you can, but you you won't. I, I don't know how to describe it. I'm sure there's a better theology. <coughs> the more no, the that's more.
1: I think it's a good. You can, but you won't. And I think that preserves the tension in Scripture and the mystery of God's work. Mm-hmm. Having seen the one for whom we were made and the one towards whom all things are moving in glorious perfection, truly seen God, truly heard God, you will not refuse him. And yet, um, God has no robots in his army, we are, we are willing captives, we sit in willing bonds at his feet as, as another hymn goes. So, and God working through the means of persuading Abraham to make the choice, Abraham freely chooses, and yet Abraham's free choice is, or or unrestrained choice, is, is under the sovereign drawing power of God. No one comes to the Father unless he is drawn. So, Abraham comes freely and yet irresistibly. Now, the eye the doesn't give... in in the so-called debate with Jacobus Arminius, the I doesn't give all those nuances, and I think perhaps in the hands of some Calvinists it's it's, uh, ham-handed or badly treated, but um, we can preach the free offer of the gospel, come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest, Mm -hmm. and yet we can believe that only those who come are those that the Father has chosen. Mm. And then the P
0: perseverance,
1: perseverance of the saints, saints.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: or persistence maybe.
0: <laughs>
1: um, Abraham made it. Yeah, you know he made it to Canaan. He he almost didn't. I mean he he was in Haran for a while, and uh, he settled there. He acquired some number of servants and some property, animals, livestock. Um, Calvin thinks it was two or three years. I've heard some people say it was 60 years. I don't think it was that. I think it was a shorter period of time. I think the call was burning in his in his mind and in his heart that kept him moving. But he had to bury his father. He had to see to all of those arrangements. And um, maybe he was tempted. Hmm. Maybe he was tempted to stay. His brother stayed. So... so that also, wrapping back around to your original question, what's the connection between faith and blessings? We see the sovereignty of God in Abraham's salvation and call to to Canaan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. It was a helpful exercise to go through. Um, <coughs> it's one of those things that, again, and we've already talked about it, so I'm not... I'm not doubling down on the conversation or bringing it back up again. But it's, to me, it's a little bit of a mystery where those blessings come through Abraham's faith, but they come even without even when he's not faithful Mm -hmm. and your points about Abraham's blessings. And I kind of already alluded to this. It wasn't, you didn't have a point about his offspring. You didn't have a point about the land that he wasn't to inherit. Like those were not the points you made about his blessing it was his separation from his old life Mm -hmm. um that it it's god's blessing it's god's choice it's god's way Mm -hmm. it's not abraham's way abraham didn't pick the blessing he didn't define what that blessing was and then obviously god himself was the ultimate blessing that abraham received so um, i think i got your three points correct Mm -hmm. Um so that that, if if you just walked up to somebody who was a Christian and and had knowledge of the Old Testament and said, Hey, what are Abraham's blessings? Those would not be the three that most people would rattle off. You know, you'd start with like offspring and the land, if maybe even got to the land, offspring would be the first one Mm -hmm. that everyone would think of. And certainly those were blessings that Abraham received, um, ultimately. But I appreciated you know, I don't know what led you down that path.
1: Well, uh, but. <clears throat> all all the commentaries that were guiding me in my study for this last Sunday's sermon emphasized the importance of the separation. Hmm. And that was not something that I had realized. And so, um, but I also was convicted because I think I, I like to... Wherever I can, and maybe not so and in such an obvious way, but the organic, progressive, redemptive, historical unfolding of the promise and plan of God in the Bible, all those words, organic. so this is through people, progressive, like a flower that opens up more and more. i have I'm growing some lettuce in my front bed, and it's it's Uh, the iceberg lettuce is starting to unfold and you can see the shape taking, or or you can picture a rosebud in your mind, same, same thing. So, redemptive historical. So, the redemption of God is progressively being disclosed in history through regular people. And so, when you hit Genesis eleven twenty seven and another Toledot section, which is these are the generations of, that's the Hebrew word. And Genesis is, is structured with these ten generational markers. These are the generations of, ten Toledot sections. And you it starts in Genesis 2, 4. And uh, an exercise for a really industrious listener would be to quickly read Genesis and mark out the generational markers, all ten of them. Well, this is a transition point. It's a seam. It's one of the seams of Genesis. And we hit Genesis eleven twenty-seven 27 because we're coming to a new point of the unfolding of God's organic, redemptive, historical uh, revelation of his purposes in the world. And so the separation of Abraham is critical to that because it's showing that the the battle between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent a it continues mm-hmm. and b the enmity is being maintained in part by God's sovereign choosing of Abraham and calling him out of a perfectly comfortable context into a new place where God's plans will be realized yeah so separation once I realized that separation became a crucial first starting point for the message of Abraham's blessing because it is how God is going to bless the nations by removing him from his context
0: hmm. yeah, and what you highlight well, you highlighted this in your sermon last week, and we talked about it briefly, but the context of the story of Abraham is. Right before the genealogy is the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. So here you have man glorifying, lifting up themselves, and then you have the genealogy, and then you have Abraham who's called out of a nobody yet from nowhere, basically, right. to glorify God in his name.
1: Right. Um, and the key terms there is Genesis 12:2, I will make your name great. Genesis 11 5 They're making a name, name for, for themselves.
0: Yeah Yeah Well, so you brought up redemptive historical and I'm gonna latch on to that because I know we wanted to talk about one of the definitions of blessing uh-huh. that you had given and I thought It um, kind of fits very ni- nice and neatly okay here um, So you quoted a theologian Joyce Baldwin who defines blessing as a word that sums up God's great design for the lost to be restored. So, redemptive historical, right?
1: So, help our listeners by connecting the term redemptive historical to Baldwin's definition.
0: So, this is um, God's... So, she, she, she defines the blessing as something that... Shows God's basically planned design to restore those who are lost to himself. So that's a progressive organic, you know, using the words that you used, uh, unfolding. It's, it's a planned design that God has to use these things in history with his, with people to recover those who are lost redemption exactly so that 's that 's where yeah. I make that connection
1: so it's it 's some sort of inbreaking of God a, a ta- often very tangible, although salvation is in some ways wholly spiritual, meaning intangible, at right. least in this current experience of salvation, because we will see the renovation of the heavens and the earth. In, in the resurrection. but at this at this stage, often our experience of salvation is primarily spiritual. Um, so
0: but blessing doesn't just end at salvation.
1: This is the point. So it's, it's an inbreaking of God's sal- salvation experience in some tangible way, that we might find ourselves participating with God in his redemptive historical purposes.
0: Hmm. So this, this would be why, for instance, Paul can say that he considers suffering a blessing. Right? Yes.
1: In Philippians 1, he says, My imprisonment, I believe, is serving to advance the gospel, so don't worry about me, church. S- stop praying for my release in a way, right. in a weird way. He doesn't say this, but one of the implications is if you're anxious and only praying for my release, are you forgetting that that this is perhaps, and indeed I, I can I can give you, and he does give a specific instance, that his imprisonment has led to the conversion to Christ of his, some of his guards. And so if all, if all you're praying for is my release hold on, mm. what I'm suffering is serving to advance the gospel, and so not only should you not be anxious for my release necessarily, but try to view suffering in a different way in your life. Have the attitude in yourself which is also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2. Mm. So, yeah, I think suffering is, is, is understood as kind of a blessing
0: and it would be, in, I mean, so your second point was it's God's way. What, what was it exactly? I don't want to, I don't want to misquote you, Phil. But um, God's favor, God's way. So that that and, and and another way to put that is God defines the God brings about the blessing, and He defines the blessing. So. Um, that also would, would explain or help shed light as to why suffering I see, is yeah. a blessing. Yeah. Or I even think you were, you were going to that point and my, my head went to um, the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Because they're so counter my head. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to write out my Beatitudes, it would not look like what Jesus taught, mm-hmm. generally speaking now it probably would because i know the beatitudes but you know if just left unto my own devices um meekness and poor in spirit are not things you know those that um hunger and thirst you know think things that i would not go well, that's that's the good life there is is those things you right
1: know? right
0: um, but again god's god's favorite god's way I think sums that up pretty beautifully.
1: Right. Right. Beatitudes are Jesus' invitation on the best way to live in a fallen world. He needs to invite us into that way of life because it's not how we normally think about life.
0: Right. But that's the blessed blessed life. It is. It is. Um, Not that we should... Be trying to do those things to receive. I mean, is 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 that should we be sh- shooting for blessing? Is I think that so. The goal is that the aim.
1: I think so because remember how Baldwin defines blessing.
0: Mm.
1: So if we understand blessing as, and we talked about this earlier, uh, a new car, and you you know hashtag Instagram blessed. And here you are in your new car.
0: Please don't do that, Phil. Please.
1: <laughs> so, what's wrong with that is that it only, it, it, it turns blessing into something like a kind of a, a, a narcissistic mutation. Or it, re, it runs the risk of being confused with that. Because not everybody who hashtag blessed with a new car is a narcissist or ego, ego-centered, you know, mm-hmm. degenerate, un- unsaved Christian-type person. Um, but it, it definitely runs the risk of being misidentified with that kind of lifestyle where I think I said either this Sunday or last Sunday, what kind of person says thank you to the universe? Yeah. So it's a little bit like saying thank you to the universe when you do hashtag blessed but when, uh, and it's not the thing that's wrong, but it's the it's the mindset. If blessing is terminating in in my, adv- my advancement of my story, it's very confusing. How is that a blessing? But if the thing or the the, the situation, uh, you know, your wife is pregnant, you get a new job, you get a new car, new to you, you you you. Get, get the puppy you were praying for, you know, if you have kids and you're getting a new pet for Christmas or something. Even if you hit a PR in, in, in a road race or in some competition, um, how is that a blessing? Well, if, if you can make the connection between this thing, this event, this experience, this tangible intrusion of the power of God in your life and how it's serving to advance the gospel directly or indirectly, how it's serving to advance God's purposes in the world to redeem, restore, renew, refresh, then yes. Mm. Hashtag blessed all the way. But I would say do some extra work and make that clear. Uh, Or at least make that your commitment. In every point today when there's a, a, a supernatural intrusion of the power of God in a tangible way that advances your estate your mind, your life, then turn around and say, okay, God, how do you want me to use this trophy for you? Hmm. I have, uh, maybe to be specific, something that didn't make the sermon. You know, this is the deeper cut.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Three things that we tend to equate with blessing that aren't necessarily blessings. Hmm. So it goes to, it's defined by God, and this would, be, would have been a kind of a long elaboration of that. So tell me what you think about these observations or give me your reaction, Tim. Blessing doesn't necessarily equal technology. So techne is the Greek word for hands, handwork. The work of man's hands should glorify God, But our handwork passes for God's work sometimes when we make ourselves or our work into God's. Essentially making a mini Babel, a monument to man. Hmm. So this is like a counterfeit blessing. I don't think technology is inherently a counterfeit blessing, but effectively when we're using the work of our hands, or tools, technology, to glorify man and not advance God's purposes in the world, the blessing of tech becomes a curse. So that's my thought there. Similarly with money. Money is a cheap blessing. What is cheap is superficial, not substantial not serious not lasting so Isaiah 55 and I may have read this in in my sermon why do you spend money on that which does not satisfy so money isn't inherently a curse but what does the scripture say it's the love of money that is the root of all evil so if you say you're blessed because you have money well not necessarily because if you've been pursuing money as an end then it is now a curse, and the man who builds the bigger barns for all of his possessions or all of his cash, will today his life will be required of him, is what Jesus says. And then the third instance I gave was health. Health is a real blessing, but it is only temporary, it's not lasting. Like money and technology, the blessing of health can be viewed as a counterfeit and as cheap, but my thought on health is think of it in terms of a temporary blessing because man's days the lifespan of human beings is compared to grass on a hot day so some philosophers because they recognize the temporary nature of health advocate suicide or at least the the, the principle of suicide and Camus is one of these guys as, as Nietzsche is Right. Christians aren't consistent in this way, and we are um, we we sort of we know that our health isn't permanent, but we treat it as 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 if it were
0: right so um, you know my thoughts are that something can be a blessing, but it also if used um if used for the wrong reasons or to glorify us as opposed to glorify God, that very same thing could be a curse. So it's not always one or the other. So money is not always a blessing. It's not always a curse or the same thing with health. So I think Phil, what you've done is you've pinpointed some of those things in our world in our society in our culture that we so easily categorize them as blessings um universally when that's not the case so you know there's probably other things too but those are probably the three big ones maybe that's why you kind of jumped on those three but they could be kind of either or and we're probably more i think we're we're lured into thinking that they're always blessings when often we turn them into curses or we're prone to do that, Mm -hmm. especially in the world that we live, we find ourselves in.
1: Hence, when God touches us with suffering, what does he touch? The work of our hands, our money, and our health. And when I say touch, you know, the the touch of God in this case is a bruise. So he, he allows their... To be targeted deficits in what he intended originally if if i can go back to before the fall in the garden to be you know unmixed blessings but because of our our sinful nature and the brokenness of the world and our tendencies these are the places where god will often allow us to experience bruising or lack And so the journey of faith continues. Um, Satan's accusation of Job, does he love God for nothing? (laughs) Right. So, you know, the whole story of Job is kind of an outworking of another patriarch. You know, Job is one of the great patriarchs as well.
0: Yeah, we covered that one for you, Phil. (laughs) Last year, we don't have any uh, podcasts on on Job, but... Um, just kind of continuing down this path of kind of God's definition of blessing. I can, I'm sure I've heard this said before, and if maybe, maybe not audibly by somebody, maybe it's just been in my head and I, I think I've heard it, but, um, why, why should what God defines his blessing or what god wants trump in a way what we think is blessing so for instance um uh, god's i don't want to answer my own question um so i'm trying to be well, <laughs> trying go, to be go careful. ahead and
1: answer it since you want to and i'll because i have some thoughts on that too uh,
0: you know well, i guess one thing that i was going to say um, to elaborate further is, you know, God's perspective is, is as the creator is completely different and wholly other than our perspective as the creation. And so.
1: This is Isaiah 40. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than right. your ways. And and,
0: and and from that perspective, our, what what seems to us to be a very big thing is so small and temporal in nature and i don't want to say insignificant because i don't think god considers it insignificant but in you know what i'm saying just kind of tiny right even for us even something large in our life is really small when put up against eternity that god has an eternity in mind where we can't even grasp eternity in our creaturely minds Mm -hmm. and so therefore something that might be life altering or huge to us is really just logically speaking not all that large and so therefore something that seems to us to not be a blessing ultimately in the grand scheme of things is is a blessing right so um even if even if you had the most awful hard difficult filled with trials life But you had saving faith in Christ, you would look back if you could look back on your life in this in this life, you'd go, that was nothing. That was totally worth it. Because you have eternity with your Savior in heaven, where there is no sin and there is no evil and there is no fall. And what you suffered now would be of, you know what I mean? So, so that's, that's, that's hence, my first initial right. answer to my question. But. So, so hence,
1: the discipline of coming to worship on a Sunday in some ways can be reduced to, remind God, remind me again what real blessing is. Hmm. Back to Baldwin's definition. It's a word that summarizes what God is doing to bring about the restoration of creation and uh, my little part that I get to play in it. So, church becomes an important renewal exercise in our tendency to, to define God out of the picture, really. And my, t- my temptation to see my life as being all about my own advancement. And um, I think that's what Christ, that's the message Jesus has for his church every single week. In, in some portion of the Holy Scriptures, that's what he's trying to tell us again and again and again. And it's cool that it's a Sabbath too. That that we're experiencing kind of a pause of clock time, and we're focused on God time. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean the the Sabbath fits really neatly into these definitions of of blessing. Mm. Because again, it's God, God giving it to us, instructing us. It wouldn't be what we would do, right? It's not our way. It's not. It's God's favor, His way in that regard, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a struggle that that I think we have generally, the the twenty first century Western Church, and maybe even Mercy Hill specifically. At least for me. You know, that's a hard, Sabbath is a hard thing.
1: It is. It's hard for me, too. So. Uh, Polly liked or appreciated one element of the sermon that maybe we could Hmm? at least be my final offering for our podcast today. And then maybe you have your final thoughts, Tim. But she thought that the point in the message where I emphasized that earthly blessings are good mm. did that strike you as um helpful or maybe something that that is isn't you know we hear a lot about suffering and the lack of blessings and we maybe even emphasize that in our conversation this afternoon
0: well actually i would say that we emphasized that very point a little bit because i had asked the question should we even strive for blessing like is that something we should be aiming for mm-hmm. Because that seems like a very, very tricky. I guess in my mind, the really simp- overly simplistic view of that is striving for blessing seems not so humble. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm. I'm sh-. But if your definition of blessing is mutated into, for me, narcissistic, what am I getting? That an overreaction
1: might be all blessings are evil. But I think we believe that the creation mandate re expressed in the Abrahamic promise, which is the Great Commission of the Old Testament, encourages work and fruitfulness in all spheres. So, to the degree that we can, that God permits us to. Experience the enjoyment of the fruit of our redeemed efforts, we should celebrate raises, children, Mm -hmm. property, progress, new prospects, new clients, new discoveries, um, fruitful land, uh, growing business, increased status, reputation. Um, fame, Abraham became famous um, strength Abraham was strong. he defended his nephew in a in a battle, but then he also exercised restraint where he declined the wealth that was offered him as a result of that battle because he didn't want to get rich by his own hand. he wanted to be enriched by God. This is counterintuitive there
0: yeah
1: so it's not a it 's not a straight line by any means. And when he was, you know, later on in his life, I think it's Genesis 23, when he's essentially negotiating for a plot of burial ground for Sarah, his wife, they offer it to him free of charge and he says, no, I'm going to, what's the going rate? And you kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of kind of ancient Near Eastern haggling. Yeah. But the point being is Abraham had to buy the land that belonged to him. I think that's the the big biblical point there. Hmm. So he didn't want prosperity at any cost. Although, again, he he did struggle with that throughout his life.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think I think kind of the the thread, Phil, would be that his blessings and the blessings that we see throughout scriptures for other other patriarchs and other godly men no matter how big they were or how vast their impact on history on god's people the common thread is that and this was your final point that god god himself is the greatest blessing yes so i love that we do this uh we sing the doxology to end every single service praise god from whom all blessings flow yeah wow so I think we could say, and I appreciate. So going back to Paul's point, I, I appreciated that point too because I, I didn't frame it this way. But what I was saying earlier in the podcast, that is a struggle of of mine. Like I teeter totter between I should avoid blessing because it's not a humble thing for me to desire, or I crave it so much because I'm so inward focused and so Tim focused that I just kind of go, I, I I manipulate it and to make myself feel better about it. And that's because I have a faulty, or I, sh- I struggle in the moment with holding a, a, a good biblical definition of blessing. Um, that being said, I don't think it's... I appreciate your point, because it's not wrong for us to, to seek after blessing or to expect to to be blessed... By God, um, and we see this. I mean, we—it's it, pretty evident in the world that even people who are not Christians receive common grace and blessing from the Lord if they're doing things according to the way that He has created the world to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you want Just to see it in the business world? Read *Good to Great* by Jim Collins. Yeah, that, this—that's 15 years old now, but it still holds true. The people who figure out that this is They don't attribute it to God. They don't give him credit for it. But this is a a biblical way to operate a business. And they are blessed. Their businesses do really, really, really well. Um, That's common grace. That's. Again, they're, they're not Christians, by and large.
1: But what, what's hard, though, when Christians try to use those same principles and their businesses don't thrive, we have a Psalm 73 situation, or I think I mentioned Psalm 37.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: love those two because the <laughs> the numbers are a mirror image of each other and they address in a complementary way the same problem. Why do the righteous struggle? Do not fret because of him who prospers in your way, and mm-hmm. so forth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not a... Get, um, this is an interesting thing to say. Actually, I think I wrote this in my notes. Blessing is a guarantee for a Christian, but it's not the blessing that, that you want. Right. So the blessings of Christ are guaranteed mm-hmm. they're, they, and they're perfect. That you can't get better than that. But that doesn't mean that you get them the way that you want them and they look exactly the, you know what I mean? So it's like, Hey, you know, Christmas comes around. You're, I don't want to say you're guaranteed a Christmas present, but your aunt's going to give you that Christmas present year in and year out. Yeah, But it might be socks, you know. Yeah. You didn't Gotta pick it. it. You didn't want <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's guaranteed. Like, it's coming, right. you know. Aunt Susie's going to give you give you the gift, and it might be the, the really weird tie or the socks this year or some random thing. Everyone has one of those aunts, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh. I'm getting the gift. The gift is coming. It's just not gonna be what I wanted it to be. That's a really bad analogy, but um, I think it's I think it it holds water at least a little Are bit. Are you quickly.
1: already getting ready for Christmas, Tim?
0: No. Okay. Oh no. No, I'm I'm a I'm a very, very big fan of Thanksgiving. So
1: we don't want to skip it. I, I uh speaking of blessings, that's certainly a time to give thanks for our blessings.
0: Yeah. So Anywho, a lot more that we definitely could talk about, but we got to...
1: So next week I'm going somewhere. to discuss the Patriarch Sarah. <laughs> matriarch, the matriarch, we'll say.
0: Do I have to change all the website wording to say Patriarchs and Matriarchs?
1: No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that.
0: Very good. Well, I appreciate not having the extra work <laughs> to, to do. I have, I have uh, this editing to get done. Hopefully, uh, hopefully today or tomorrow, and get this posted. But um, good conversation. I wish we had another hour to go, um, but I suspect we'll have plenty of other opportunity to talk about the blessings that we've received.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to come up because with Sarah, we're we're really starting to zero in on a barren womb and the child of the promise.
0: Mm. Lots of good, lots of good stuff, and this series is running through the end of the year, scheduled.
1: Yeah, probably up to, to Christmas Eve, which is a Sunday this year.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I love double, double service mm-hmm. days. I don't know how you feel about them, as a. As I love a preacher, them
1: too. I love them too. They're special.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for joining us this week on the Deeper Cut. Um, we 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 really covered <laughs> we covered a lot of different topics, so hopefully uh we we shared something or 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 maybe even we channeled some of your thoughts or questions um if we didn't, we'd love to hear them um and we'd love to talk about it and I had this crazy idea earlier this week, phil, and I don't know if we could ever pull it off, but I'd love to try to figure out a way to do like a call in
1: oh wouldn't that be great
0: like a live call Yeah. Um,
1: again our podcast crew will figure that out
0: yeah Rocky get on that one please figure out how to do that Um, but maybe one day until then you know most of you I I suspect see us at least on a weekly basis so uh, feel free to grab us at church on Sunday or shoot us a text if you had something that piqued your interest or you had a question about um, or if you'd like to join us for an upcoming episode, we'd love to have you in studio with us to uh, to record one of these. But thanks, Phil, for your time today and for the conversation. And uh, for all of those listening to us, we pray that you've been blessed by this past hour and that you would um, be blessed in the way that we descri- defined it today or described it today, that you would be blessed this upcoming week. And we'll see you again next week on The Deeper Cut.